0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: A a, a Giants podcast for Giants fans. By Giants fans. It's Sean Morash. And Paul Dotino. Down the sideline. Into the end zone. Giant
0: from the offseason through the wins and the losses. It's time to take
1: one, one, one giant, giant, giant step, step. step.
0: Woo baby! Welcome into one giant step at Sean Morash and Paul DeTino on what should be 30 minutes of a jam-packed game preview for the Giants and Seahawks. And we will get to all of that, Paul. A good Thursday evening to you. And just quickly, Paul, before we really get into it, just to peel back the curtain. By sheer accident, I had some internet troubles connecting for our usual Thursday morning taping of the podcast. And it might have been a blessing in disguise because we might have had to rip up the whole thing and come back and redo it at the time we're doing it now because the Giants are active at the trade deadline. Just not buyers
1: yet. Paul, hello. How are you? Oh, good afternoon, Sean. It uh, has been a very eventful day. One that, to be quite frank with you, I don't think anybody expected.
0: (laughs) No, no. and, And with that, I mean, first of all, if you're a giant fan and you've downloaded and subscribed to One Giant Step, thank you. But I don't need to say, hey, just so you know, Kadarius Tony's been traded, you know, by now, if you're clicking on the podcast, you know, so. All right, Paul, Kadarius Toney, a lightning rod now for a year and a half with the Giants. Certainly a lightning rod on this on this podcast, you know, dating back to us debating his role in Tennessee in week one and what was going on there. And well, let me just state this. In past years, geez, past weeks, if the Giants were to have given up on a talent like this so quickly in a trade, the outrage from the fan base I know as a fan would have been bananas would have been insanity, but it is so funny. The trust that Shane, Dable, Kafka, Wink, Marnell, the whole crew was earned at six and one that I I'm almost subtly surprised. I haven't seen one. What the heck are the giants doing from the giant fan base? That part of that amazes me, Paul.
1: Well, I think when you consider that Dable and Shane were a part of that rebuild in Buffalo, and obviously that entire organization made so many very positive steps in terms of getting that team out of the doldrums, I think people are willing to say, you know what? So far, so good. Dable and Shane have gotten this team to 6-1. and They've overturned a very large portion of the roster. So they've built up some cachet. They've built up some trust. And I think it's very justifiable. And to be frank with you, Sean, uh, getting a third and a sixth for Tony after the guy has been a mysterious health risk and has only contributed what two catches to a six and one start? Yeah, I'd say is a pretty good haul. Yeah, and and, and
0: Paul, with that, I, I think before we dive into maybe what went wrong or what the future holds at this position and how the Giants handled it, which I thought was very interesting, I do think that there needs to be this statement made. If Kadarius Toney goes to Kansas City with Patrick Mahomes and suddenly his heart is into it, suddenly he's not hurt, geez, maybe maybe in some weird way for the Chiefs, it becomes Chris Carter leaving the Eagles and go to the Vikings. I mean, he's a talent, and the Chiefs clearly want him to drift. If that happens, this we need this stated today on October 27th. That should not be a knock on the Giants in the way they handled this because I don't think officially that that player that he potentially could be was ever going to happen here because, as we've seen now, as we've seen with so many of these guys through seven weeks in the Giants, that some of them were thought to be also ran. Some of them we thought might not be here beyond this year. If Kadarius Tony couldn't make it work with this coaching staff, or whatever the disconnection was, then it was never going to work because Kadarius Tony was not going to outlast what the Giants have building here with Dable and company.
1: Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And you consider all of the bit parts and spare parts the Giants have been running out at wide receiver and getting just enough production to continue to move along to get to this 6-1 and record, and you say to yourself, you know, why wouldn't Tony want to be part of this? Like Kenny Galladay said today when he was approached at his locker, and he was asked about the trade and asked about how he feels with the trade deadline coming up, and Tony said, listen, I've never been part of a 6-1 and team. I don't know if you guys know this, but I can't wait to get back on the field with these guys. I want to be part of this. I want to join the train and I believe him. I actually, I really do believe him.
0: Paul, you're kind of stealing some of my bye week material because I had some Kenny Galladay notes. I was going to get to next week on the podcast because call me crazy. I'm even starting to feel positive about him, which I shouldn't do, but yeah, I, I believe him too. And and Paul, look, it's so clear for anybody now that's watching the Giants. It's almost an unbelievable turn, right? Like people who hated Daniel Jones from the outside national media, the Giants and all these guys are getting a lot of credit and the one thing that anybody who isn't even a giant fan keeps coming back to is man, can you believe Jones is doing this without these receivers? The Giants are not in the business of just dumping off Kadarius Tony at their biggest position of need right now, if they really felt like they were going to get the most out of him. It's not like the right. Giants are turning around now at six and one, going, Hey, we're sellers. We don't believe in our own start. No, they believe in the NFC is wide open and they should believe. In fact, that wasn't more evident than the report that came out, Paul. And if this is not true, you know, by all means that Dable and Shane spoke to the team on the practice field and said, this is the deal. This is what he's got. I mean, to have that that kind of transparency just shows you how good a communication and how good a chemistry this is. And, you know, kind of again,
1: Hey, we've been doing this without him. Let's go. I mean, that, that speaks volumes about what this regime is. Look, I'm going to present something to you, Sean, which may help make more sense out of this. It may to you. It may to some fans. Maybe it won't. I, I can't say for sure. I've been telling you since the beginning that the big, big, big factor that has permeated throughout this locker room with both Shane and Dable is that they've been up front, they have been transparent, everything that they have said has happened. There's been no lip service from these guys. They've been honest and true to their words the entire time. They have tried to build a very strong locker room with teams that will do anything for each other, that will be not only happy for each other, but that will break their backs for each other and be great teammates in every way, shape, and form. Now, if I will let you read between the lines a little bit when I tell you that Kadarius Tony, who has, for whatever reason, with whatever soreness he's had in his hamstrings, has not been able to practice. But I think you and I both know there are other ways that players can be great teammates. Yeah. And suffice it to say that if someone does not live up 100% to being that all-in great teammate in all ways, then isn't it the responsibility of the front office to acknowledge and not to let that slide?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Paul, and it doesn't take an idiot to watch a giant game and know this. You mentioned that. I'm going to give you two names. One of them, ironically, I thought we'd lead the podcast with before the Tony injury.
1: Nick Gates, Sterling Shepard. Bingo. He, okay. Sterling by the way, Sean, by the way, Blake Martinez. Right. Did Good not point. live up to that
0: obligation. Right. All I know is every time I watch a giant game, Paul, you're there at most of them. Okay. I am at home. Everyone. Okay. Sterling Shepard and Nick Gates are not looking for television cameras. No. When the when the cameras glance to the sideline, they are their presence is so very much felt amongst their groups on the sideline, all of that. And you can just see, I haven't seen Kadarius Tony, and maybe he is there, but even on accident, you'd think a camera would find him.
1: There was one time earlier this year where there was a play made and, Kato- and Tony was, was very smiley and had the, the little flag and, and was very happy. I forget what play it was, but it was a home game. And, and they did catch him on camera. But to be rather frank with you, Sean, I'm around the team all the time. And he is not the biggest cheerleader around. Yeah. Uh,
0: and again, all I'm saying is on accident, you should see that more. And I see it constantly with Shep and Gates. So with that, Paul, let's just ask this question. He now is already tweeting out, of course, because this is what players do or malcontents, they go to Twitter as fast as they can, that he is healthy. Now, conveniently, the Chiefs are on a bye, so we would have never known if he could have played this week. Uh, And the Chiefs will return next week. I kind of was under the impression, if Tony was going to stay a giant, that we would see him after the bye. So, him saying now that he's healthy, just to kind of cut through the B.S., Are we saying that he was never hurt? Are we assuming that he's acting like the Giants hid this injury, or is it just, well, good timing because by the time he could return with the Chiefs, he probably would have been back with the Giants anyway.
1: Let me put this to you, Sean. You just said a short time ago, the Giants receiving core has been depleted. Honestly, do you really believe, honestly, that this team would have hid something or kept this guy out knowing how their wide receivers room desperately desperately needed a shot of big plays. Come no. on. No. And, Come on. And,
0: and by the way, I don't know this, and this is totally, again, this is just my fan mind working. We've seen, right, expanded roles week by week by Bellinger. You saw already more expanded work from Wandell Robinson this week. You know, Kadarius Tony in a piece of an offense that, you know, as you've said, we haven't even seen some of the chapters yet. Who knows how in-depth Tony was with
1: this playbook, too, and if that was annoying the team. Here's what I will tell you. Wandale Robinson being able to come back like he did and show over the last two weeks that he was healthy and he was able to produce right out of the box certainly made this trade a hell of a lot easier to make. Yeah, no no because doubt. Because Had he not been able to do that, I pretty much believe that the Giants would have continued to hold on to Tony and continued to hope that this guy could have given them some production. But thank goodness – Robinson was able to get his butt back on the field and put up some numbers. Now, Paul, I'll also say
0: this, our WFN colleague, Tiki Barber, former great running back for the New York Giants. He had an interesting point when it came to the Jets trading for James Robinson and being a guy who's playing on contenders. And he basically said, look, the Jets have this team rolling along. They lose their, their rookie running back, Brees Hall. And right away, boom, you see the team go and replace him with James Robinson. He says that can really uplift the locker room into the front office, telling them they are believers. We mentioned that these guys tell the team on the field, hey, Kadarius, Tony, we're trading them. Everybody's fine with it. I know they see Galladay coming back. We've mentioned Foster down the line. They definitely have a little more cap wiggle room than they did. They definitely have a little more draft capital now, nine picks. I don't think that they're out there looking at mortgage first-round picks or anything. I think we all understand that. But that being said, Doesn't it, even if it's not a major move, behoove this front office now to show their team, hey, we sold off a piece, we're going to buy a piece, even if it's at a
1: reasonable price? Not necessarily, because as we've said, their mantra has been, you will earn your snaps, you will earn your way on this team. Even guys on the back of the depth chart and on the practice squad have gotten elevated and gotten significant playing time, which means if the Giants decide that they want to elevate a Robert Foster or they want to elevate a Pimpleton and decide that one of those guys will help this receiving core, well, then it will only be because those guys earned it in practice and their teammates saw that their blood, sweat, and tears was rewarded by the coaching staff and they got that elevation. So I don't necessarily think they have to make a trade to justify a move of that nature.
0: Yes, but I think we could all agree, and you saw Jones' frustration on the Marcus Johnson drop. They might all believe in each other, but, I mean, the people in the locker room are not idiots. Players in other positions aren't idiots. That is the weak position group on the field right now, and they're telling what quality can come. So, I'll say this, Paul. If Joe Shane loves his draft capital, but they do have at least the slightest bit, little more, little more, smidge more wiggle room uh, under the cap to make moves this year. Is it really that much more insane than we thought it was three weeks ago that Odell Beckham Jr. could be a piece of this team in December? I would be
1: absolutely flabbergasted. I I thought the same thing. I
0: thought the same thing. But, but he, I mean, he was, he came back to the team facility only because Sterling Shepard wanted to see him, Saquon Barkley wanted to see him. Are those guys not big enough leaders in that room to sell that staff in front office? Odell would be on his best behavior. We could use a guy like this.
1: I don't even think this is a, a, a philosophical issue. I think let's just talk about a physical issue. Yeah. The 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 last thing that I heard is that Odell Beckham probably would not be able to get on the field for a regular season game until December. Right. But- well, I mean, at that point, I'm sorry, but I don't, I don't see the benefit.
0: Well, Paul, I mean, the benefit would be this. And I'm not saying he's the old, old Odell. First of all, we don't know that everybody's going to stay healthy the rest of the way. That's number one. Number two... True. Look, you already have six wins as we enter November here, right? Yeah. Okay, let's say, worst case, they get two more wins. You're at eight wins before this December stretch comes. I mean, is that not uplifting to a room to bring a guy of Odell's caliber that, by the way, players seem to gravitate to? And I'm not pounding the table for Odell. I'm just saying, when you think about holding on to draft capital but also trying to add to this weakness, and guys in that room that are very good friends with the guy, I just... I would have laughed at anybody that told me this a month ago, and it's hard for me to laugh at that right now. Like,
1: I, I even at well, a his best history. friends in the room were Barkley and Shepard, and basically, there's there's hardly anybody left. But that's what said. those are pretty big dead. voices in the room, are they not? Well, Shepard's not much anymore. He's hurt. Well, I, he's I, not he even a, around. I mean, you know, they do bring him. To, they do bring him to the games, but he's not around every day anymore. In fact, he just had his surgery the other day. Um, I don't, I don't see any way that that's a fit. I just don't. Okay. That's fine, Paul. And it's good to debate things
0: like this. This is the only thing I'll say is this. And I, I do think that as much as the, of the fan base, if I could speak from that perspective right now is very much in trust Shane and Dable mode. And how could you not be? And Hey, Tony, we barely saw you. You weren't on the field. You know, people love toughness in New York. And maybe it wasn't tough. All of that. I do think that there will be a percentage of those fans that are totally fine and trusting. Now that come Tuesday at four o'clock will be ultra disappointed. If there's not a singular move made here, even a face,
1: well, I really I, do I'll say this, Sean, I, I, I don't think the giants should make a move because I do think that this is the first year of the turnaround and of the rebuild. And when you look at the course of the next two to three years anyway, which is what they're really shooting to do. I get it that they're ahead of schedule, but You know, making one of these these smaller deals is probably not the difference between them even going to the NFC Championship game and and just being a playoff team. Uh, For me, I look at this team and I, I understand that Shane wants cheap players by the numbers that are going to be able to be young and healthy and allow this team to be contenders two, three, four years down the road. I don't know that making a trade right now for a veteran does anything but counteract that philosophy. Now I'll say this, but there's a balance, Paul. There's a balance. There's a balance. There's a balance. I think that there's no way, in my opinion, he would trade a first or second. day pick for anybody this weekend. Now, if they beat Seattle, okay. And gives them a seventh win. Now that puts them in a little bit of a different category because now you start saying, well, How high a playoff seed do you think you might be able to achieve? Yeah. Okay? So maybe, maybe he gets tempted to part with a day three pick if somebody calls him on Monday with a player who they really believe can help. Paul, the only only pushback I'll give you to that is they're not
0: exactly – and I think Seattle's going to be tough and we'll get into the game in a second. They're not going here – to play the Chiefs this week either. I mean, if that's the mindset, hey, if they beat Seattle they're 7-1, maybe, like, shouldn't they have the mindset right now in the room that they think we have a good chance of beating Seattle right now? So shouldn't they already be thinking along those lines? Well, like, they shouldn't should walk out of Seattle
1: stunned if they're 7-1. I think, I think this, a Seattle victory would be a significant accomplishment given the fact that the team is very badly beaten up right now. They're exhausted. In fact, the last two weeks, last week and this week, Uh, I know the writers haven't written about it, but I could tell you for a fact that they've done less pads uh, and less strenuous practices and more walkthroughs because Coach was very concerned about the mental, emotional, and physical fatigue that this team has had to go through over the last four weeks. And so they are very much aware that this trip going out to Seattle is going to require a lot of fuel. And I'm not talking about airline fuel. I'm talking about team fuel. Will okay? require a lot of
0: airline fuel, though. Though, Paul, that's a lot uh, of It
1: will, but will, but team fuel, and so he has actually lightened up physically on this club the last two weeks, understanding that they're looking forward to getting to the bye week, and if they beat Seattle, you're talking about a team that is in the NFC, which, of course, because of the wild card permutations, NFC games are much more important. Yeah, for sure. And, oh, by the way, I you know with that, and this is where we
0: can start to preview the game, Paul.
1: It's a good win if they win it. That's the point, Sean. Yeah, it's a oh, big oh. win if they win it.
0: Yeah, I'm kind of half in the water here because I'm going to tell you flat out before we start previewing this game. With all that fatigue and everything... I, I think the Giants are going to win this game. And before I give the pick, I do. Uh, and and we want to talk about being beat up. I mean, Seattle is quite literally going to be without their best offensive player. And that includes the Kenneth Walker. I mean, DK Metcalf taking him away from that deep passing game is a big deal in this game. Yes. A big deal for Geno Smith. So it's not as, uh, as if Seattle is coming in all healthy here. With that, Paul, actually, forget the preview for a second. One note I wanted to hit on. Uh, Dable did say that Nick Gates is ready to play in a game, if need be. Yes,
1: So, I mean, do we expect him active on Sunday or is he going to be on the inactives? Oh, I would not be surprised if he's active, but in terms of playing, oh, I think that they would probably try to wean him in initially as that potential six lineman. Okay. As we've talked about, jumbo package, you know, uh, the jumbo tight end, uh, just, you know, going with with a monster. Uh, I could see that happening. I don't necessarily think unless somebody gets hurt, Feliciano or one of the guards – I don't necessarily think you'll see Gates, you know, take a ton of snaps, but could you see him in a cameo role? I absolutely think that could be possible. Okay. And with that, do you
0: think they use a, okay. What are the practice squad elevations going to be? And B is that another land that Collins role? Is it going to be uh, the tight end that we had just signed back? Not cager. Who, why am I? I just had the note here. The guy who was running first team H back in the, uh, in training camp. What's it, is it Andrew
1: Miller? What's his Alan. name? Allen. Yeah. Okay. i think i think i think i think it would be i think it would definitely be cager okay i'm high on cager i you know if we haven't talked about it on this cast before i'm very high on lawrence cager i know
0: you are and the jets liked him and they had too many tight ends in the room the only thing about cager is he is a converted wide receiver and it kind of feels like you know him and hudson are very similar players and i and it feels like merrick's gonna be you know the number one tight end here i Look, if that's the case, that's fine. But it does feel like that, you know, they could use an extra blocking. But maybe to your point, they just go more of these jumbo sets.
1: Well, that's exactly what you can do if you have to. Right. If you got to go double tight end because you're going you're gonna to pound it, just bring Gates in as the second right. tight end. And it's Andrew Kager Miller's can, guy. Kager, you know. oh, Andrew Miller, right, yeah. Andrew Miller. Um, what they could do with Cager is strictly use him in receiver-type packages and use him in a similar way like Evan Ingram was used in years past where he would not necessarily be asked to do much blocking. And to be frank, I talked to Kager just yesterday. He's up to 240 pounds. And I'm telling you, he looks like a heavyweight prize fighter. He's in outstanding shape, and he's got beef and muscle on his bones. He's very serious about being here, and he's really excited about okay. being a giant. Look, I love that. And on
0: that, have they announced, or are they kind of holding this back? Because I'm talking about practice squad elevations, but is anybody replacing Tony on the 53? They have not announced that as we take this particular program. Okay. Because that obviously would factor in to the squad yes. elevations. So, I do
1: think you'll think you'll see Landon Collins against the say, Seahawks. This is Whether be a or not he's team. an elevation or,
0: or a signee, I right. think you'll see Collins play. Right. Because Jefferson is not around right now anyway, and this is clearly going to be a team. Look, sloppy weather it looks like. Another rainy day in Seattle. Uh, they give up a ton of fourth most rushing yards per game in the league to Seattle. But on the flip side, if you take away DK Metcalf with, with – Geno Smith, this is going to be a team with their rookie running back that is going to try to run the ball, and that is a fit for Landon Collins. All right, so, Paul, now that you've had a week here to go through tape, what should worry you about this, and what kind of relieves you when looking at the Seattle Seahawks here as the Giants head out?
1: Well, I'm I'm not very impressed with their defense, either against the run or against the pass. Uh, It is a team that, in my opinion, will have a tremendous amount of difficulty coming from behind in a game. They are at their best when Geno Smith can use play action and when they have some sense of balance. Their most difficult three offensive performances this year, during which they gained under 300 total yards of offense, were games when they could not be balanced and they had to just rely on throwing the ball. So I look at it and I say to myself, hmm, let's see. Even though Geno Smith hasn't played a ton in the last decade, He hasn't had a fourth quarter come from behind victory since his second year in the league. Right. He's not built that way. In fact, up until this year, he's had interceptionitis really bad. So, in my opinion, the Giants absolutely must, as they did last weekend, get up on top. I know they had that touchdown to Slayton on their first drive last weekend against Jacksonville. I think it's imperative that they get up on top in this game to force Seattle to get away from feeding Walker. Walker is a very talented running back in his last year at Michigan state. He was not afraid to carry the ball 25 plus times a game. And he's got enough juice in his legs to break a long one. So you want to get them out of that and force Geno Smith to try to beat you with what are, in my opinion, subpar weaponry. He's got Lockett. But let's not kid ourselves. Other than that, he's looking at Goodwin, he's looking at Fant, he's looking at Disley. I'm sorry, but these guys are not exactly world beaters. Yeah,
0: and and I think that there there's this a two pronged approach, right? So the Giants are approaching their bye. I think there's this approach, like we've seen, as the Giants are underdogs again, where it just at some point you're expecting another giant loss to happen. At least I'm not talking about us. I'm talking about in general and as good a story as the Giants are, people are really making Seattle out to be that kind of story because Seattle could have been a team that was picking first overall in the draft. They haven't been that. But make no mistake, there is a huge difference, and you can see it watching these games between the 6-1 and Giants and the way they close games. And these are still the 4-3 and Seahawks. I mean, a loss here sends them back to five hundred, And they are definitely outperforming their expectations. There's no doubt about it. And Geno Smith has been a great story. There's no doubt about it. But it is not as if... And by the way, this is the only game on the NFL schedule this week with two teams above five hundred. It is not as if the seat. it's not as if the Giants are going out to play a team right now that has also just set the world on fire, and you are like, "Wow, I am real fearful." The Seahawks team. This is another matchup like we saw a week ago. Granted, that came down to the last minute because the Giants make everything interesting. Although the refs had a big hand in it. Where I, I watched enough of the Seahawks now, Paul. I just I don't see a distinct advantage on the. You know, you want to tell me they run the ball great, and the, you know the Giants need to get better at stopping the, the run. Fine, Leonard Williams elbow banged up. Fine, I think the Giants can do a better job of stopping the run this week. And I and I think that the idea of DK Metcalf being out of this game. Without a Dory Jackson have to worry about following him all over the field. Huge. I think mean, I mean Wick Martin's linking his chops now. Okay. I don't have Huge. that threat down the field. Let's go. Let's see how good this rookie running back is without your biggest threat.
1: Huge. I couldn't agree more. And look, couple things. Uh Seattle so far this year, they are third. Third in most missed tackles in the NFL. They are sloppy and do not wrap up very well. They're secondary has allowed the second most yardage after catch in the NFL, okay? I don't need to hear that the Giants cannot move the ball against them. That should not be a problem, okay? The only variable that we don't know is that Geno Smith is absolutely lighting up every quarterback stat known to mankind this year. God knows how he's doing it. I have no idea what's in the water in Seattle, but he's doing it. Except Penny is out. Medcalf is out. Lockett's actually playing with a gimpy hamstring and in the last two weekends hasn't been himself and hasn't looked very good. So exactly yeah. how is he supposed to do what everybody thinks he's going to do against Wink Martindale's defense? I'm sorry. I don't understand why Seattle's favorite.
0: Yeah. Uh, and again, it just far, uh, John's will take it. Be, you know, be the underdogs all you want. It's great. So with that, Paul, before we do the fantasy reality, let's just give our game picks because I think we're both kind of slanting the same way, much differently than we felt heading into the Packer game. Um, I, I'm taking the Giants to win this game, and I'm not going to say now I think they're going to score 30 points because I do think that this is going to be a limited possession game with both teams trying to pound the balls as fast as they can. You know, watch the teams go throw all over the place in the rain. That's usually how these things work, right? After you think they're going to run the ball like crazy. But that being said, Uh, Look, the Giants are going to bang a couple field goals in the rain. They're going to score a couple touchdowns here. Uh, I think the Giants will score, you know, 23 points, and I think they'll limit Seattle. I could see this being, you know, a 24 to,
1: I mean, a 23 13 kind of game. 27 17 Giants. Okay. Now now now. Now, having said that, you are right. The, the rain is going to be a factor. From what I understand, it's typical Seattle, 50-degree weather, overcast. And now, as of with this taping, I believe it's like a 50% chance of heavy rain. Heavy rain. Yeah, I saw the same thing. Heavy rain, not just mist. So,
0: no. with that, let's do our fantasy reality game. I'll start it off. You can piggyback here. The reality of this game, Paul, with that heavy rain, I think it comes down to this. I want to, like you saw last week, ATN giving it up. I think the Giants, shocker here, need to win the turnover battle. Hold on to the ball in the wet weather and force a couple of these. Whether Geno Smith throws a wet ball, oh my goodness, a ball pops up in the air, you pick it off. Maybe the young rookie finally gets stripped. I think the Giants, by the way, on these long runs have done a good job. Kayvon Thibodeau has been part of that too, trying to knock out these fumbles. You know, if the yeah. Giants get two turnovers here in the weather, I think the reality of this game is they definitely will win this game. And, you know, don't, Giants have done a good job protecting the ball. We don't need Saquon or Jones, you know, resorting back to fumbling here, reverting back. I don't think that's going to be the case. I have a fantasy play with you, Paul. Obviously, Saquon. Barkley is going to, you know, be the guy, right? They're going to keep feeding, feeding, him, feeding him. But you've seen moments like this and you talk about, you know, being exhausted and we've seen Saquon shoulder. How about Matt breed in this game? Every time he has entered these games and gotten these snaps, he has made something happen, whether they're wheel routes, whether it's running hard on the series he gets or something like that. I have a funky feeling Matt Breed might taste seven this week.
1: Oh, I don't think that's a bad pick at all. You know, I've been I've been touting Breeder now trying to get a little bit more out of him for the last three weeks, I think. But you heard me mention about the yak yardage and about the missed tackles. Boy, I think Wandell Robinson might just be salivating at those two things right now. Yeah. On a wet field, on a wet field, you get Wandell Robinson in space. uh, He could do some damage.
0: By, by the way, on a week, the Giants trade Kadarius, Tony, if Wandel Robinson gets in the end zone and causes some damage, again, big sigh of relief either which way. So, Paul, I mean, look, if our predictions hold true, we could be doing a, a Halloween version of one giant step with the seven and one Giants heading into the bye week. Again, just as we drew it up. Boy, wouldn't that be something. That would be a real trick and a treat. Uh, all right, Paul, that enough of my stupid Halloween puns. Where can we follow you on Twitter?
1: Trick or treat, baby, at Giants WFA Air.
0: All right, you can follow me at CBS. Happy Kadarius Tony traded podcast, everyone. Thanks for taking one giant step with us.